0: Hello and welcome to Enterprise Endpoint Experts podcast. I'm your host Bill Burnett, and our guest today is Tom DeGrief. Morning,
1: Tom. Good morning.
0: So thank you so much for joining us. We're here at MMS in uh, beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. Wintertime, kind of perfect
1: weather, everything, right? It's amazing. I mean, sitting out uh, out there in the sun in the beginning of December, that's just fantastic.
0: It's pretty sweet.
1: Um, and you are from where? I'm from Belgium, so for me, it's, it's wonderful at home. It's probably raining, it's cold <laughs> it's here, it's nice and warm <laughs> and sunny, so. Yeah. I'm
0: from Seattle where it's also cold and raining, so. Yeah, been there
1: last week, <laughs> very similar to home.
0: And that's you were there for an MVP summit because you are an MVP in?
1: Uh, I'm an MVP in uh, enterprise mobility.
0: Great, great. And you're, <coughs> you're here, you're giving a couple of sessions. What sessions are you giving?
1: Uh, we've been talking about uh, Cloud Management Gateway and we also have two sessions on win 10 security
0: and that's what we're talking about in today's podcast we'll be digging into win 10 security yes uh, so can you tell me where you work and what your title is and what you actually do
1: so i'm uh, i'm a consultant for uh, oscc which is just a very very small company we're just two for now uh, that's me and and kim you know mm-hmm. him as well yeah yeah uh and so we're we're basically doing config manager consulting all over the country um so yeah, that, that's that's basically it.
0: Oh, fabulous, okay. And when you say all over the country, you're based in Belgium, but you kind of work internationally?
1: Um, or is it mostly, mostly, mostly in Belgium? It's mostly Belgium. We have some international customers uh, that are just over the border. Uh, uh-huh. but Belgium's so small, so we, we kind of cover the whole country. Uh, but yeah, we mostly, for now, are still working for Belgium. Okay, great
0: and so let's dive into well (laughs) dive into security hey that's a good segue because we were going to talk about scuba you are a scuba diver i
1: am i am
0: so do you have a camera and the whole thing do you like put on tanks and go down and take pictures or you just kind of enjoy the moment
1: and not record i used to so i used to take my camera with Uh me the thing is if you try to take pictures you're not really looking around anymore and you're not enjoying Uh, the view because you're always looking at the camera trying to take the perfect shot so i I kind of left it at home and I just enjoyed being down there amongst the fish uh,
0: that's awesome <laughs> what's the what's the most beautiful place or uh, one of the most beautiful places you've scooped
1: um I've been to uh bon Air, like the aruba uh, aruba bon Air uh-huh. yeah and yeah that, that was that was amazing yeah you got the turtles, you got the dolphins you got the sharks you got everything oh wow. it's 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 truly an amazing place that sounds amazing
0: yep OK, great. So, yeah, I would mention I, I respect that you don't take the camera anymore because I even when I'm just living my life, I used to think, oh, I need to stop and capture this to post it on Facebook or, or whatever. And then at some point I was like, hey, I could just enjoy it and not worry about recording it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something Mental to be said victims. for that. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so let's dive in. You started your session out. by talking about back to basics, which I'm just gonna kind of run through these really quickly with you. Local admin rights, pretty straightforward. It's been around forever. People who have local admin rights can wreak havoc. Um, I always insist on having them, so if I ever work for a big company again, IT will get (laughs) as much pressure as I can put on them to give them to me, but they should probably resist.
1: Yes, yes. Or at least um, try to uh, take away shared admin uh, accounts um, or randomize local admin uh, accounts so that people don't use a domain account but like a, a local account um, if they want to do uh, local admin stuff but yeah try to take it away initially and, and that and makes total yeah, sense
0: yes. yeah we did a webinar with sammy Laiho, and he says on his personal computer he doesn't even run uh with local admin he has an account with local admin but the one he runs his he you know his daily day-to-day work on is not local admin i'm not
1: going to go that far N- i agree with you there but as an i from an f- from an it point of view we're we're special right because we, we have to <laughs> we have to do all sort of things but but ju- just from an office worker they don't need any they admin, don't need
0: right? all right. that absolutely uh windows firewall pretty straightforward you want to yep. you want to set up firewall that's just a basically table yes. stakes as we exactly. say bitlocker everything needs to be encrypted now B- your default simply should be to encrypt everything absolutely.
1: right absolutely
0: absolutely uh uac
1: user account control it was a, p- a it was painful when they initially released it because it popped up the entire time. Mm-hmm. But now you kind of don't notice it anymore. So it's I- just leave it on and, and people will probably don't not even notice it anymore. So just, just leave it on. So at least you get the confirmation that what you're doing is trying to access something that it probably shouldn't, so.
0: Right, yeah, when it first came out, I had the same reaction. I was like, this is annoying. They've got to fix this, all these pop-ups. Exactly. But now, especially now that I've been learning more and more about security, I see it, and I'm like, oh, good. It's checking to make sure that I want it to do this, yep. so it doesn't feel like it's in the way at all. Exactly. Um, BIOS to UAFI. that's pretty clear. Anybody in Windows 10 world knows you have to have UEFI to have some key functionality. So if you have a machine that's capable of it, you need to use it. And if you don't have one, you're missing some key stuff in, in Windows 10 well security. You're not,
1: you're not even starting from a from a safe machine, basically. If you don't have um, UEFI, uh, TPM, and secure boot, uh, means that your machine can already be compromised before you know it, like uh, rootkits can get in there. With, with UEFI, TPM, and secure boot, you're already eliminating that, uh, that malware at, at that level. So, okay, so it's definitely, I mean, whenever we do a Win 10 project, that's the first thing we always do. And if your machines are not capable of, of doing UEFI, secure boot, and TPM, just buy another one, because it's really not worth going down the bad route.
0: I've never heard it phrased that way, but that makes total sense. It's not a, a question of turning it on. Like if your machine doesn't have those things, you're not secure
1: exactly. to begin with. And you want to s- you want to at least start in a secure way.
0: Right. Yeah. You can't secure your machine <laughs> 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 if, if 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 your uh, if your house doesn't have a door, you can't lock it. Right. <coughs> Um, okay, and secure boot we just talked about—that's yep. pretty straightforward, and that's going to make sure exactly what is it doing.
1: Well, it's going to make sure that uh, all the comp- th- that during your Windows boot phase, that uh, all the components uh, that Windows loads, that like the, the the drivers, the kernel, that they are already. Uh, that they haven't been tampered with, basically. So it's going to yep. verify it and it, it's going to make sure that your your machine, when it boots up, is exactly how you intended. So it So your, your
0: bootloader, your initial OS, your drivers that are loading, all that stuff exactly. is verified and nobody to Exactly. There's even antivirus
1: in. running uh, at, at that moment okay. already. Great. For any of the drivers that lo- are loaded, there is already antivirus uh, checking that nothing has been tampered with.
0: Okay. And random local admin passwords, what are you talking about there?
1: Well, basically, uh, what what a lot of companies have now, they either disable the built-in administrator account or when they haven't disabled it, they have one general built-in administrator account with one password that's the same on on every machine. Uh So if I can get a hold of that password, I basically am administrator on all of your machines.
0: Right, because when you're in IT, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll say whatever it is, 1985 Dodge Dart. I don't think there was a Dodge Dart in 85, (laughs) but whatever. Let's say that's your password, and then everybody knows if they have to get into somebody's machine, here's the little secret.
1: So, And and there are tools out there that can just, you know, because the password is on the machine. There are tools out there that can show you the password in really two seconds. Well,
0: d- what do you mean there are tools out there that can show
1: you the password in the two seconds? W- w- the thing is, um, and a lot of people don't really r- realize it, if you like um, RDP into a machine and yeah. you log on with your credentials, right? Mm-hmm. And you then uh, log out again and you reboot the machine, your credentials are still cached on that machine. Even if you reboot in the machine. In plain text? Uh, it's not in plain text. But
0: it can be converted by somebody who has the tools. Exactly.
1: Okay. Exactly. Wow, okay. So you leave your credentials behind. and and, and So if I can get a hold of your... Machine, I'll just run the tool and it'll give me your credentials, either in plain text or in a hash. But the hash is good enough because that's how Windows work. You can just pass the hash and uh, and use that to to authenticate. So that's why we insist on randomizing those local admin passwords so that each machine has a unique local local admin password that, okay, you need to look it up um, to access that machine, but at least Mm -hmm. if I can get a hold of your machine. And get that password. I just have access to one machine and it's not the volume. <coughs> it's
0: painful, but it's necessary. Every time I hear about a data breach, right, like Quora, 100 million accounts just exposed. Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, what's the downside for me? Well, I didn't give them my credit card. So, and I use a different password for every single place I sign up. So I'm like, there's really not that much damage exactly they can do to me for you.
1: But there's not a lot of people doing that. Everybody still uses the same password. For a lot, the lot of people lot of do. Yeah, yeah, services. yeah. And, and there are great tools out there that can help you. I mean, I, I'm using LastPass, and I don't know any of my passwords to to website. No, just I totally don't track them either, yeah. yeah so
0: <laughs> no, it's painful, but it's really it's really yep. important in in this day and age. Uh, okay, disable SMB v1, that's the WannaCry,
1: not stuff, not When you install, uh, I, I don't know, is it since 1803? If you install a new Windows machine, it's off by default. <laughs> um however if you're if you've been upgrading from the older versions it was on by default and it's probably going to still be on so make sure that you check that um that you can you can disable it
0: okay and you have two powershell notes here one is powershell constrained language mode and the other is disable powershell v2 you want to round that
1: up so uh, <coughs> sorry uh powershell v2 um is installed on every machine by default. The problem with PowerShell V2 is that there is no centralized logging. So a lot of the hacking tools try to force yourself into PowerShell V2 so there is no centralized view of what's been going on on your um, your machine. And there's probably no need for PowerShell V2 to still be on your machine. Right, right. So that's just disable it. And then PowerShell constraint language mode basically um, makes PowerShell work As a shell and not as a scripting language. So you can execute all the commands you want to. It's just not going to allow you to run automated scripts um, unless they are signed by by your company. So again, a lot of the hacking tools that use PowerShell scripts are going to be blocked by PowerShell constrained language. OK,
0: so only signed scripts can be run. Yes. That does seem huge. And then firmware updates is tricky because you can't really automate that. Like so many things you can centrally manage, but firmware updates are very hard to do centrally.
1: It is. so wh- what we always do when we do uh, an OSD project is at least try to, to upgrade the BIOS during during the OSD mm-hmm. project to the latest version. And, okay, it's 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 very difficult when they're out in the field, but you get these once or twice a year Windows 10 upgrades. So make use of your task sequence at that point in time and, again, refresh <laughs> the Just BIOS make it part of that la- process, always yeah. new firmware, just yeah. as part of your basic refresh. Yes. Yeah. Okay, with good. And with, driver all ap- with all the Spectre meltdowns, you've got you to... Gotta Implement the latest uh, BIOS version to... to you really
0: those. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, driver updates, I think that goes without saying, if yep. you're not updating your drivers. Um, it's, uh, it's a frustrating game because drivers are, like, there's always some new little mm-hmm. version, and I'm like, would well they fix some bug that I'm not going to have, but you never know which driver version that you didn't update is going to make your machine vulnerable. And and
1: we've had issues with drivers where there were keyloggers in in the audio driver Mm -hmm. and and all that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, you want to make sure that you... Oh, really?
0: So you've seen that in the field, keyloggers in audio drivers? Yeah. yeah. Oh! (laughs) They're so crafty. Okay, so Windows Defender, then. Let's do a quick rundown of the Windows Defender. uh, A lot of people who have been following security space know that Microsoft keeps renaming what is what. So this is the current naming, which has been static for at least six months now. So I think so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so we we may be in a safe zone. W- uh, Windows Defender antivirus is obviously AV, anti-malware, anti-ransomware. Yes. Antivirus is kind of a catch-all phrase. Yeah. Um, application control, you want to explain that?
1: Um, application control basically is application whitelisting, where you just... Uh, um, say that you only allow a set of applications that you really trust to run, and everything else by default will not run.
0: Okay, good, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. Application Guard is just throwing Edge browser into a virtualized uh, instance for surfing unsafe sites, essentially.
1: Exactly, that's what it is. You also define like a whitelist of, of websites that you... Know that you trust, and those run outside of the container, mm-hmm. and everything else by default will run inside the contrai- container and will be will be safe. So there's no malware getting through or getting out of that container.
0: Okay, that's good. Yeah, and I just set this up yesterday on my machine, and, and at least I haven't made a whitelist, but at least I can uh, open if I if I want to, I can open a window. That yes, is so it you can manually
1: launch Application Guard if you if you have a link that you don't really trust, just launch Application Guard and put it in there and browse it from there.
0: Uh, Windows Defender Credential Guard, that's just, it's table stakes like
1: Secure Boot, basically. You yes. should just always have that enabled. Yes, exactly. There is no drawback, just turn it on.
0: Uh, exploit Guard is actually four features. Exactly. And uh, what are they? Can you explain them quickly? We don't have to drill down on them, but what is the point of XPL? Um, there
1: is attack surface reduction rules. Which That's vague to me. What is that? Um, it's a set of rules that protects um, mostly office uh, things, so that uh, whenever you try to install a, an add-on, that it doesn't in the background tries to download some malware and and run it as a script, for example. Okay. So all those all those rules help you. Um, Deal with those. Office I malware, see. So that can slip in okay. So to some extent, or or it's macros just macros. Uh, lo- d- so that's exactly what it is. Okay. Thank you. Th- and
0: where are those rules running?
1: When or where? Where uh, on your local machine?
0: So I mean, what part of your Windows is running these rules?
1: That's a good question. I think they're well. It's 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 one of well. It's in the Windows defense stack. So, it, it's so it's it's. So
0: it's just literally part of the Windows Defender stack, exactly, and it's yep. watching for these things. Yes. yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you.
1: So you got uh, network access protection, uh, which again should be on by default, because it will just it'll it'll use uh, the power of the cloud and block um, bad websites. So you are not allowed to. Browse to a really known bad website. Yeah, that's basically that's basically what it what it does. And it's not going to block your company uh, website. It's really only websites that already have a bad reputation that are going to be blocked.
0: Right, and you can still go there if you want. It's just going to say, "Hey, based on what we're seeing, you don't want to go here." Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you, I don't think you can even bypass it anymore. Oh, really? It's really going to be. Oh, okay. Okay. So we got controlled folder access, which I think is uh, is a neat feature. Um, which will uh, watch out your um, a set of folders that are known, like your My Documents, uh, My Pictures, uh, your Windows um, directory. You can specify your own folders, and it will monitor those, and if an application tries to uh, modify any of your documents and that application isn't trusted, it will be prevented from modifying those documents like encryption uh malware encryption that goes and encrypt all your documents and say mm-hmm. hey pay me a bitcoin and i'll give you your documents back yeah, yeah. controlled folder access will protect you from that Oh really okay great and then we have uh what am i missing uh, exploit uh protection which is the new name of uh, of AMET, uh basically um and that's that's low level protection um against applications that Are trying to do things that they're not supposed to do.
0: Okay, (coughs) okay, fabulous. And Windows Defender Firewall, I think we all know what that is. It's just your local firewall. Smart Screen.
1: Smart Screen is um, again a a tool that will warn you if you go to a to a website. How is that
0: different from the network uh, protection and exploit? uh, um,
1: Network protection will just really block it and and will block it from basically. Anywhere, if even if you would open it from, from PowerShell and want want to t- access network. I see. Smart
0: Screen is just for your browser. Exactly. Uh, okay. Okay. Great. And Windows Defender ATP, that's just an extra add-on for higher-level security. Yes. Okay. So now, this is the fun part, is uh, we're going to talk about auditing. You were saying how, okay, maybe you can't implement your dream security scenario in your company right now. But you can start by flipping on auditing so that you're getting all these events in the event log. And in some cases, like with application control, it may simply say, um, hey, if I had been activated, I would have blocked this or done this. Yes. So what can you turn auditing on for here? Application control, obviously. Antivirus, yes or no?
1: No, I don't think so, no.
0: Okay. Credential guard was a, a no. Application guard is a No. No.
1: So the exploit guard, y- y- for sure yes. controlled folder access, uh, for sure uh, exploit uh, uh, protection. Um, I'm not too sure about, well, uh, network access protection, I don't think so because it's just on or off. Okay. Um, so yeah. So
0: okay, so then the main one that you're really passionate about is the application control. Yeah. Because you're, you're whitelisting. So let's start by maybe just talking about what is the difference between whitelisting and
1: blacklisting? So It's basically comparing antivirus to application control. Um, So with antivirus you block the known bads. So antivirus has a list of applications or or malware that it knows that is bad and it's gonna, whenever it sees it running, it's it's gonna block that. If it doesn't know about an application, it's not gonna block it. So blacklist only blocks what it knows that is bad. If you go to whitelisting, you explicitly say that these and these and these applications, my line of business applications, are allowed to run. And everything else by default will not run.
0: Okay, yeah, that's much more doable in today's world. I could see because I, <laughs> you know, I worked in IT, whatever, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. And you actually, in those days, almost could make a viable blacklist, like don't run these things. But now it would be impossible. There's it is impossible,
1: it, and it's always going to be reactive. So whenever whenever new malware comes out, the antivirus vendors have to update their signatures. And only at that point in time, um, you can... Um, you can react to it. So we have to know the bad application before we can actually react to it. With whitelisting, it's the other way around. You just only say, I'm, al- I'm allowing these and these and these applications to run. And everything else by default is going to be blocked. So a new malware that comes out, you haven't explicitly allowed it to run. So it's going to be blocked. Okay, so, so You're basically turning it around.
0: So whitelisting is the way to go. Whitelisting is a yes. key. And, and you see this when you're consulting business. W- yes, S- Making a company secure, a big part of that is setting up their it's a. It's a
1: difficult thing to implement because uh, it takes it takes a lot of work to get everything right uh, but once you are able to go to enforce mode to to r- truly enforce um whitelisting you're cutting down the risks of malware basically 100% i mean maybe not 100% but like 99% of the malware is going to be stopped by by application whitelisting without doing anything in addition to that
0: Okay, good. And so we can say whitelisting, like, okay, this application is good. But that becomes a more complicated question, because how do you say what this application
1: is, exactly. right? There's
0: this version of this file. Exactly. So let's talk about defining trust. And um, I think that you have here, and you, you talked about this in your session, sort of a, a four-tiered list mm-hmm. of ways you can define, identify something as a valid application. Yep. And do these all apply in application control?
1: Uh, They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. So then let's... um I'll let, I'll I'll just say the the list really quickly, and sure. then we'll go through one by one, okay. and you can explain what what they ac- what they actually mean. Uh, I'm good at reading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're hash uh, file hash per binary leaf cert, which is a signing certificate, PCA cert, which is a root certificate in the certificate chain, and file name, the original file name, and these go from the most secure to the least secure. That's that right. How
1: how I, ro- I uh, ordered them? Yes, yeah.
0: Okay, great. So. So one way you can identify items to put on your whitelist is with a hash yeah. Wh- so what you are you talking you about? You
1: basically hash each binary uh, from from an application, so all, all executables so the executables the dlls they 're going to be hashed, and you 're going to group them together in, in a catalog and you say these binaries make up my my application, and if you see these binaries running you 're allowed to run If any of those binaries don 't match, the application is going to be going to be blocked so if something changes in an a, in a binary, in a, in a DLL, is going to be blocked because you haven't explicitly right. allowed that specific <coughs> binary to, to run. Okay, so that is so the most secure it's thing. It's the most secure way. Most it's
0: painful because you do apply difficult. one update and you're done. Exactly, yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Leaf cert, signing certificate. Okay, I'm just going to step back for one moment here. So what is a certificate?
1: A certificate is basically something... Um, a g- that's a good question <laughs> 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 um it's it's um well it's a digna- uh, it's a it's a digital thing that yeah. that that you can um that that certifies that that what it is 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 d- is the truth basically so okay. when you, when you have a, a website that is uh, signed by a certificate it mm-hmm. it's kind of guarantees that this website is indeed what it claims to be
0: Okay, and the way that works with the public-private keys is that can be checked against the certificate signing authority to verify this actually is legitimately signed here. Yes. And does that verification happen? How often does that happen? I think it happens. Whenever you see if something is signed, so it's literally going out to the Internet to that signing authority and saying this is legit. Yes. Okay, great. So, So if you have a signing certificate on your application, then you can say basically any application signed with this specific certificate is okay.
1: That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So uh, hopefully most applications are signed that that you download from the Internet. Mm -hmm. And you can just say, so if you want to make it easier for yourself, you're going to say, I trust a certificate from Microsoft. So everything signed by Microsoft by default is going to be trusted in my environment.
0: Okay and is that a leaf S- is that a leaf cert if Yeah. everything okay
1: yeah so it, it's really the, the specifically the certificate that tha- has been signed to it so that's that's the leaf cert you, you only trust that specific so the
0: leaf cert is the specific one yes. but you're saying you could also go a higher level up and say any certificate from signing authority microsoft i will trust yes yes exactly okay. so
1: that's going to be the, the 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 pca cert you basically okay. say so not not specifically this certificate but you're going to going to go more down level, like the root certificate, and everything that has been signed by, indeed, Microsoft, I'm going to trust, and not specifically this certificate, because Microsoft has multiple uh, signing certificates. I see. So,
0: one application might have multiple certificates. Yes. Okay, got it. So, and that's the PCA cert. I trust everything from Microsoft. And then uh, file name, original file name.
1: That's that's an easy one, right? <laughs> so y- y- <laughs> you're just gonna say notes dot exit you're not run.
0: really fooling anybody by by yeah, uh, you can disallow the file name, yes. but I, I suspect yeah. a crafty a crafty cyber attacker could find a way to uh. Yeah, you can rename a file. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) not really that Doesn't seem that hard. It's not rocket science, no. So, and this is all done through application control, which let's take a moment just to talk about, like, the application control has really been built up over time. They added a managed installer in 1703. What is that?
1: Um, uh, Managed installer, um, if you take SCCM as an example, what you can do is say, I trust SCCM that every application that has been installed through SCCM, I'm going to allow it to run in my application uh, whitelisting scenario. So you don't have to specifically specify these and these and these apps. I'm going to trust. You say, whenever it's being being installed through SCCM, I'm going to allow it to run.
0: Great. Okay, so that's an SCCM-specific capability. No, you can
1: make anything a managed installer if you want to. If you have these applications that are Uh self-updating, that whenever you launch them, they go out to the internet and and refresh themselves. That's going to be difficult in in a whitelisting scenario, Uh but if you make that application itself uh, a managed installer, you you basically say, so yes, you can update yourself, and I'm going to allow you to run after you've updated yourself. Okay,
0: that's great. And Intelligent Security Graph is actually pretty huge. Um, So what is the ISG, Intelligent Security
1: Graph? Well, you're again leveraging the power of the cloud and, and trusting Microsoft, and, and Microsoft has in their in their cloud, um, they know uh, applications that are good and they know applications that are bad, um, and you're basically saying, "Hey, I trust your judgment." Um, if if uh, these applications have a good reputation, I'm going to allow them to run in my environment. If these applications have a bad reputation, I'm not going to allow them to run in my environment. So that works for a lot of the common applications out there. Um, it will not work for your line of business applications because okay. Microsoft doesn't know your line of business application. They haven't got a reputation yet, so they're going to be blocked by the intelligence security graph.
0: Right, okay. And uh, is there anything else we wanted to cover? I think that um, you also had... PCA derivatives. This is getting into advanced certificate stuff, so it's alright, it's if you're just up for a com- it? <laughs> It's just a combination
1: <laughs> of, of any of the four rules we mentioned before. You basically can combine a few of the rules and, and make it more uh, secure that way. So it just gives you more options in, in, uh, in defining how you trust an application. Okay,
0: great, great. Well, thank you so much. This has been super informative. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Okay. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Bye, Tom.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.